Hello, 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 and welcome to the ASAP Recovery Podcast, the podcast for people in recovery. I'm Pastor Chuck, and we got a really excellent show for you today, even dare I say controversial. Uh, this is our third episode in the ASAP Recovery uh, Podcast series here, and uh, today's episode I call Seven Reasons Why AA and NA are not working for you. Seven reasons why AA and NA are not working for you. Uh, Maybe you've been in recovery for a little bit. Uh, Maybe you've uh, been in there for a long time and uh, you've went around and you've tried uh, pretty much everything that's available out there to get yourself some help. Uh, You've been to jail, you've been to treatment, you've been to rehab, you've been to 12-step meetings, uh, you've gone where they say to go, you've done what they say you're supposed to do, but you just can't seem to find the victory. And yet, uh, in the Bible, we are promised that he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And so, uh, where is the victory? Is there victory in uh, recovery today? Or are we doomed to forever walk in one direction, but never reaching our destination? Are we doomed to be forever recovering? I don't think so, and I think there's ample evidence um, to suggest uh, that you don't have to live that way anymore, and that uh, you can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, not in the land of the dead. And that's why we're called ASAP recovery, uh, not as soon as you die and go to heaven or judgment recovery. Hey, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, maybe why this victory has eluded you. In the um, in the uh, AA Big Book, in chapter 2, page 1 of chapter 2, uh, we read, We have discovered a common solution. We have a way out. This is the great news that this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. Well, here's the thing. If you go into any recovery meeting today, whether it's AA, NA, uh, or whatever, maybe even celebrate recovery, uh, you are going to be told that you are forever recovering. And yet, as we've just seen here in the big book of AA, that's not what their literature says. However, um, even though their literature still says this and has it chiseled in stone, that's not what's being practiced or taught in the meetings. Um, And they've gotten away from that over the decades and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Chuck Chapman. I've been uh, sober 15 years. Uh, I'm a graduate of Teen Challenge, um, which is a uh, one-year faith-based men's residential program started by Pastor David Wilkerson. Uh, I was released from jail to this program, and uh, when I went to it, little did I know that this uh, this encounter would forever uh, change my life. And so... When I got out, when I got out, um, I started noticing that a bunch of my buddies um, who I had looked up to in the program uh, started falling by the wayside and either going back to um, rehab or prison or worse yet, to the grave. Uh, These were men that I looked up to. These were men that I considered they're up here and I'm, I'm way down here, you know, I'm at their feet. Uh, and, And so I say that to say I just I couldn't wrap my head around it how these godly men in rehab or or these uh, titans in their sobriety could go back uh, to their old life and their old mess uh, into a thing that they knew could never bring them uh, fulfillment. So I got to asking the Lord, I'm like, well, Lord, how come I'm still standing? I'm, I, you know, you got, had a lot more to work with with these guys uh, than you ever did with me, you know. And so with that, uh, the Lord began to show me some things about... Um, the recovery community and the things that are 
hindering our, our brothers and sisters in their recovery. AA and NA were wonderful, amazing, groundbreaking uh, programs for the time and season that they served in. However, the problem is we no longer live in 1939 America when uh, the big book of uh, AA uh, was published. And um, with that, uh, from the time that these programs have started in 1935 and onward, AA, uh, We've uh, had one of two war wars. We've dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. Uh, I mean, an atomic bomb. Uh, we've um, had the invention of the Internet. We've landed a man on the moon. We've had one president assassinate it. Uh, we've seen the legalization of, uh, you know, uh, abortion, uh, gay marriage, uh, marijuana in many states. And so, like, former things that our nation in America used to consider shameful are now commonly accepted um, behaviors. And so with that, when I say that AA and NA were amazing groundbreaking uh, programs for the time and season that they served in, the problem with that is we no longer live in 1939 America any longer, and our nations and values as a nation have changed. And so with that, our recovery field should have changed, but we're still, but it hasn't. We're still doing recovery the same way we were doing in 1939, uh, when the, the big book of AA was first published. Uh, and that's consequently why you'll see contradictions like the one we saw in their big book there where they said, this is the message, you can be recovered, but when you go to the meeting, you're told, I'm going to be in recovery for the rest of my life, you know. And so with that, I've written a book, and uh, let me show you a little bit of the cover here. Uh, it's called ASAP Recovery, Tearing Out the Old Foundation. I'm, I'm hoping that this book, uh, I have a May 1st uh, deadline to the publisher, um, and I'm thinking uh, late fall, early winter this year, and this book will be available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere else that books are sold. And so with that, in this book, I, uh, I do a little bit of digging here, and, and uh, I provide you with uh, seven reasons why AA or NA is not working for you, and I, I liken it to um, a cracked foundation. Uh, foundations can come in many shapes and sizes. When I used to be in, in uh, my addiction, I, I dug swimming pools in Florida. And uh, the owner of that company used to tell me, he'd say, you know, Chuck, you know, there's, um, there's, there's two types of concrete. There's cracked concrete, and then there's concrete that's going to crack eventually, you know, in which case we'd be back. Uh, a lot of times, uh, pool decks and stuff, we pour these decks and put stuff on top of them, and then due to water damage, if there's a leak in a pool and it gets under that shell, uh, water eats away at cement, man. You could break, I had, a, I had a cellmate one time named Rabbit down in Charlotte County Jail, Florida. He's like, if you ran water long enough on this concrete, give it enough years, enough times, you could eventually break out because the water would erode the concrete. And so likewise in these pools, uh, when water damage gets in under concrete, it, it, it uh, compromises the structural integrity of it, causes a whole slew of safety issues. And so when this would happen, um, many times the homeowners would try the Band-Aid approach, the quick fix approach uh, and, and whatnot. But then eventually after so many years, they'd call us out to do what they should have done in the beginning. And we'd start chiseling up and uh, hammering up that, uh, that foundation uh, piece by piece until all of it was gone. It was a messy, drawn-out uh, process. It was unpleasant to the, uh, to the workers, such as myself, and just no one wanted anything to do with it. But it was absolutely necessary uh, to make sure things were done right and that everyone remained safe. Uh, likewise, as I said, there's two types of concrete, cracked concrete and concrete that's going to crack eventually. And uh, with that, uh, I also said that uh, foundations and concrete comes in many shapes and sizes. Uh, foundations can be in the form of relationships, uh, churches, 
uh, and in case you haven't guessed it, Art Recovery. And it is my belief that after uh, 85 years, the foundation of these once great programs of AA and NA has cracked, um, but yet no one seems to notice due to the, uh, the influx of people. Millions of people each year are flowing into these programs uh, for help, but no one seems to notice the bigger picture of how many people are washing out and falling by the wayside and going back to their mess, like my friends who I mentioned earlier. Um, and uh, no one that is except for the family members of the addicted who are meant to visit their loved ones in jail again and again or get their hopes up only for them to be dashed or to visit them in the morgue. And so with that, um, again, I know there's a lot of AA, uh, NA diehards out there, and these programs have helped a lot more people than I'll probably ever help with my ASAP recovery program. However, just because something's been good for years doesn't mean it can't be done better. Amen, somebody? And so with that, um, I believe that there's seven cracks, seven cracks, uh, seven pieces of the old foundation that needs to be removed if our community is to ever go from surviving to thriving or ever to obtain that cure that Bill W. Uh, formally spoke about in the second uh, chapter of the AA Big Book. And so uh, in my book, um, there's kind of seven sections, and each of these sections is a, is a piece of the old foundation. Um, I have this diagram in there that I made of a cracked foundation in each of these pieces labeled um, accordingly. And uh, that's what I want to spend today is looking at these seven pieces or seven reasons why AA and NA may not be working for you. Again, maybe you've been in recovery a while and you've tried the 12 steps and you'll get up there around 8, 9, 10, 11, or 12, then you'll relapse and fall, fall all the way back to one. You have to start over. Uh, it shouldn't be like that, man. You, you never have to start over in this program. We just scrap what isn't working and refortify what is, and we'll talk about that on another episode. But with that, um, you know, these, these programs are just... I think that they're currently doing more harm than good. And like, you know, for me to get up here and say that we believe you can be recovered as opposed to forever recovering, I say that to people and they just look at me like I'm, I'm, I'm from another planet or something like that. And so it's, it's, we saw last week, last episode, episode two, undeniable proof that you can be recovered. Uh, we saw that you can be recovered. We gave you undeniable proof. And yet I, I had the same conversation with a gentleman this week at a meeting and he just looked at me like I was from Mars or something like that. But, man, victory is possible. So, anyways, uh, I want to spend the day looking at seven reasons. If, if you're finding that, hey, I've tried this, I've tried that, and it's just not working, let me show you seven reasons why I believe it's not. Let's look at the, uh, the seven cracks in the old foundation. This is a picture from my book here of a foundation. Uh, there's seven things that I believe is killing our community or sending them back to, to prisons or, or rehab. Uh, the first thing is on the bottom left there, if you're watching online and instead of audio, uh, we believe uh, that uh, people can develop a forever recovering mentality. We kind of talked about this last week. Um, we talked about it the week before. We talked about what makes us different from other recovery programs out there that you can be recovered as opposed to forever recovering. And uh, so there, we really don't need to say too much about that today, um, but the you know, the bottom line is, let me jump back over here to the video here. Uh, if we are forever recovering, that means that we are forever walking in one direction, but never reaching our destination. Uh, the Bible says a completely, completely different uh, story. If Jesus said, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. It says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And the Bible also says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
So either A, the Bible's right, or B, the recovery community is right. And since I'm currently walking in victory, I've been sober 15 years. Listen, I do not get up every day and say, just for today, I'm not going to use. Uh, my, I got a lot of problems, but my addiction is not one of them. There is a place, friend, where you can go days, weeks, months, years without even thinking about the urge. I can only recall two times in the last 15 years where the serious desire to drink, it came back. But man, I took it to the Lord and, and he helped me with it. And so with that, you can be recovered. There is victory. There is a place where your addictions and the temptations to use can be out of sight, out of mind, and you, you go on to the next thing. Uh, but the, the testimony of Scripture is you can be recovered. And so in uh, chapters uh, 1 through, uh, I think, 5 of my book, maybe 6, uh, we start removing that forever recovering mindset. And we, we give you undeniable proof, like we gave you in episode 2, that you can be recovered, and people do it all the time. Victory is possible. And so that's the first reason that AA and NA are not working. They're going to tell you that um, you're going to be in recovery the rest of your life. Uh, at one point, at one point in NA's, uh, in NA's big book, I got it right over here. Let me see if I can grab it without ruining the podcast. There we go. In NA's um, basic text here, at one point it says in this book that um, NA can make it without you but you cannot make it without N.A. Are you serious, man? If that doesn't sound like a vindictive X, then I don't know what does, friends. You can make it without us. You'll never make it without us. You'll never make it. These programs want you to become dependent on them, uh, but not here at ASAP Recovery. We want you to get dependent on Jesus and the Word of God, and uh, eventually we want you to stop listening to this podcast. We want you to stop reading our book. We want you to stop coming to our meetings uh, because someone who has recovered doesn't need these things any more than someone who has... Uh, Cancer no longer needs chemo treatment. So we believe that you can be recovered. So here at ASAP Recovery, our goal is uh, twofold. Well, one, onefold, really, get you, get you to the master, Jesus. Uh, but we want to, uh, completion is what we're shooting for here in our program and establishing your independence uh, to where you, you don't need this thing because you can be recovered. And so that forever recovery mindset that you're going to need to go to these meetings and uh, you, you, know, you can't make it without the program, well, then your strength becomes the program instead of the Savior. And so if you're not hitting meetings, of course you're going to relapse if that's your power source. So we believe that you can be recovered. Uh, you've just been building on the wrong foundation. The Bible says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. And it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. In other words, if you're building your house on AA's foundation, NA's foundation, you're laboring in vain because it's not going to produce victory. It's just going to produce a lifetime of maintenance. Uh, the bottom line is, anytime someone comes into recovery, uh, the only reason they come in is because they're trying to remove some of the pressure. Most people are not trying to remove all of it. Uh, and that's kind of what uh, separates us from just about uh, everybody else out there. We are a program for those seeking cure over maintenance. We are a program for those seeking the cure over just a lifetime of maintenance. It is possible. And so the reason the reason AA and NA is not working for you is because they've, they've, they've bred into you. They, they tell you in one breath, oh yeah, you can be recovered. This is a great message of this book, but you're going to be in recovery the rest of your life. Uh, man, if that ain't a, you know, a contradiction or some hypocrisy, then I don't know what does. So that's the first thing that's uh, causing you to mess up, man. If Because if, our group is not the most motivated group. If I believe I'm in recovery for the rest of my life, then really, what is the motivation to, to, to do this, man? You know, or, you know, if I'm going to be in here forever, I might as well drink today and I'll relapse and then I'll be out a week and then I'll come back in. Uh, man, what a bunch of just nonsense, nonsense. Let's look at the second piece. 
are the second reason why AA and NA are not working for you. Uh, please draw your attention, for those of you who are viewing uh, on YouTube or Facebook, to our three types of people in recovery. The three types of people in recovery. I've been doing this for 15 years now, and I've found that there's three types of people in recovery. There's those that want help, there's those that think they want help, and then there's those who are being made to get help. Those that want help, those that think they want help, and those being made to get help. Now, when it comes to our third group, you can spot them from a mile, mile away. Uh, trying to get them to do anything for their recovery is like a hostage negotiation, amen? Uh, these people, you got to beg them or bribe them uh, just to participate or to make some phone call or to go some meetings. They're only here because a judge made them or a family member threatened to cut them off. There's very little that can be done for um, this, this third group, um, with the exception of prayer, incarceration or the hammer of loss needs to come down in some area. Now, when it comes to those that want help versus those that think they want help, uh, the problem is these groups travel in the same circles. They look alike, they walk alike, they talk alike, but they're not alike. At the end of the day, it's their actions that will tell you otherwise. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come into my office when I was at the church there and say, Pastor Chuck, help me, help me, help me, help me. Uh, they want the product of change, but they're not willing to pay the price. And ultimately, you don't know who's who or who's sitting across the table from you until it's too late, until either they've burned you or they're sitting in a jail cell or in the morgue, you know? So is there a way to determine who's who before it's too late um, and adjust your approach accordingly? Yes, there is. And in my book, I talk about this, the three ways to identify who's who, and I'll give you the little sneak peek here. Uh, listening, Looking and lobbying. Listening, looking, and lobbying is what I do after 15 years of working with people. See, regardless if someone wants help or only thinks they want help, that doesn't uh, negate my responsibility as a Christian uh, to try to help them. However, I've learned over the years that I can't die on every hill and I can't be working harder for someone's recovery than they're willing to work. And so through much trial and you know heartache and tears, I've come up with the, the three ways to identify who's who. Listening, looking, lobbying. The first thing I do is I listen to them. The person that wants help uh, is you know versus the person that thinks they want help. The person that only thinks they want help, so they're going to use the words if, when, and then a lot. They're, for example, they'll things, say things like, if I could just get the, get the guy back or the girl back, or if I could get my job, then I'll start coming to church. If, when, then. Uh, also, someone that only thinks they want help. The word no is not in someone that, that wants help versus someone that thinks they want help. The word no is not in their vocabulary. My old buddy Mark Steeby, the doctor turned addict turned professor, that man, the word, uh, he was not the most talented guy in the world, but he did everything I told him to do for as long as I told him to do it. Uh, the word not no was not in his vocabulary, but somebody that thinks they want help, they're going to come up with a multitude of excuses uh, for, for why that is. Listening, looking. Number two there, looking. Uh, the person that only thinks they want help, uh, if you look at them, they're going to be pointing that finger of blame at a lot of people. They like to play the blame game, not to be confused with the dating game or something like that where it's, where it's fun. But uh, they'll, they'll blame their, their spouse, their kids, their employer, their government, and before long they'll be pointing that finger right there at you, you know. And if you also look at them they, and, and listen to them, they, 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 the, the conversation is always just shallow stuff, never nothing beneath the surface. Oh, hey, the Bengals or the... 
the Reds this season. Yeah, hey, the weather, you know, but they don't want to dig or talk about anything in depth because they know you'll see what's in that closet or in that casket, I should say. So listening, looking, lobbying. The last thing I do to determine what type of person I'm dealing with so I can address my approach to them before it's too late is I lob the ball back in their court. Lobbying is a tennis term, which means to put the ball back in the other player's court. When someone comes into me and they say they want help, whether they do or don't, what I do is I give them some homework. Every week I give them some homework and I say, here, you do this, you do this, you do this. Uh, but also on this, on the opposite spectrum there, uh, I assign myself some hard work or homework, you know, and usually hard work at that. Uh, and, and so the, the next time we come together, like maybe their homework is, hey, read a couple chapters in the Bible or get a list or make a resume or make some phone calls or this or this or this or that's really not too, too heavy. But if we keep coming together and I've done my homework, but they haven't done theirs, then this is someone who thinks they want help. The Bible talks about this and uh, Jesus warned about trying the trouble uh, and, and involved in trying to identify who's who, you know, he talked about the wheat and the tares and the enemy uh, coming in and planting these uh, these uh, tares that are, you know, amongst the wheat, you know, and them growing up and these these tares look like the wheat. If you've ever seen a picture of it, I wish I had known I was going to do that and had that uh, ready for you. But uh, the wheat and the tares look exactly the same, and so and that tells me in the end times there's going to be uh, people that look like Christians, walk like Christians, talk like Christians, but they ain't no Christians. Amen, somebody. And so with that uh, are three types of people. Maybe you're someone that started out and you're thinking, yeah, I want help. I want help. I want help. But if you do, then that means the word no is not in your vocabulary. If you're someone that does want help, you're not going to settle for removing some of the pressure, which is what all the other guys out there in recovery are offering you. You want to remove all of the pressure. You can't have anything standing between you and the Savior. And so with that, uh, a lot of people come in there thinking they want the help, but the, the truth is, the truth is, they want the product of change, but they're not willing to pay the price. And so we talk about how to identify who's who and the reason we all fail to change in our book. Let's, uh, let's jump back to these... Uh, the, the third reason why AA and NA are not working for me, and, and just so it's, it's perfectly clear with these three types of people, they won't call you out on that, on being one of our three types of people. They'll just tell you that the only thing required for membership is a desire to quit drinking. What a bunch of garbage, man. Uh, we're going to need some more from you here at ASAP Recovery. We need all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength for this deal. Uh, the next thing uh, down towards the bottom of the picture for those watching at home is addiction camps. Addiction camp is the uh, the, the AA and NA's um, setting up of addiction camps. What I mean by that is when I first uh, got out of rehab, uh, I found out there was a Narcotics Anonymous uh, meeting right by my house within walking distance, which was cool because I had a license, but I didn't have a vehicle. I was just getting out of rehab. Also, I needed that paper from the U.S. government signed every single week saying, hey, I hit this many meetings, I hit this and this, and then I could have did what a lot of people do, have a friend sign it. But, man, my word means everything to me in my recovery. So I went to this meeting, and it was a narcotics meeting. It was a candlelight meeting, which, oddly enough, was uh, in the basement of the church I attended. My church was allowing this NA, particular NA uh, group to have their meetings in our building free of charge. You know, and we even supplied the coffee for it. And so with that, I go to these meetings and I start sharing about Jesus. They didn't like that. And also, then I, then I drop the, the truth bomb that I'm Chuck and I'm an alcoholic. And so, you know, not right away, but after coming, they're like, hey, this guy's going to keep coming. This guy's going to keep coming. A lot of them made me feel like that my addictions were somehow less than or not as authentic as theirs. But a lot of them came up to me, you know, there's an AA meeting over here. Or there's an AA meeting over here. I'm like, no, no, I, I feel more comfortable in this group. I, you know, this is, this is good. But uh, we do that. Our, our community does that. Uh, we at ASAP Recovery don't do that. But we set up these addiction camps. You know, this whole thing reminded me of like an old 
camp like a tribe or something like that. It's like they had their tribe and I wasn't worthy enough to be a brave in it. You know what I'm saying? And so with that, uh, they, they, they set this up. But the problem with these addiction camps is when you got these camps, uh, after a while of being in a camp long enough, the people that are on the outside of the camp start looking like enemies instead of what they really are, which is allies. Uh, from the time I got out of Teen Challenge in uh, January 25th, 2009, I cannot think of one person, one person who has helped lift me up from where I was to where I am that had addiction experience. Most of the people that, I, that have helped me, mentor me, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, most of these people were just Christians. And see, that's why here at ASAP Recovery, we don't believe that only a person in recovery can help another person in recovery. That's a bunch of garbage. You're cutting off your hand uh, from receiving the, the help and the, and, the, and the lifting up that you need. Uh, the only thing in our program, we don't set up these addiction camps. We're all in recovery. The Bible says that the addiction isn't even the problem. It's a problem. But it's not the problem. The problem is something the Bible refers to as the sinful nature. And I'll try to remember to get to that in a section. But I want to talk to you about this addiction camps and cutting your hands off. Uh, with that, um, most of the people who have helped me have had zero addiction experience. From the time I got out of rehab, from the time I got out of rehab, not one person that I could think of. And if there was somebody, I'm sorry. It's just I'm not thinking of it now. Or it just, it was, I hate to say, but it wasn't that impactful. Uh, but most of the people, they just knew how to get a hold of Jesus until I could get a hold of him for myself. That's the main requirement for mentorship here at ASAP Recovery. A, a good godly Christian with a history of good judgment, and they just need to be able to get a hold of Jesus until you can get a hold of yourself and point you to him every single time. And so with that, uh, jumping back to the addiction camps, and the, and the addiction is a, a problem but not the problem. And here at ASAP Recovery, we believe that we're all in recovery. And that's because in Galatians 5.19-21, to 21, it says that the results of the sinful nature are clear. Now, here we got this main category, this main category. The results of the sinful nature are clear. And then it goes to list all these subcategories, all these examples of this thing stemming forth from the sinful nature. The results of the sinful nature are clear. It says selfish ambition, pride, envy, uh, yada, 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 sexual immorality. Uh, and then it says drunkenness. And drunkenness in the Bible is so much more than, hey, I got drunk or something like that. It's, it's a lifestyle is what it's talking about, which is addiction. And so the Bible is saying, although your, your addiction is a problem, it's not the problem. It says the results of the sinful nature. This is the culprit. This is the, uh, the, the, the man Oz behind the veil, you know, that we're, we, we've been aiming at the wrong target all these years. And consequently, uh, what's a struggle for me might not necessarily be a struggle for you, but that's, that doesn't take away an ounce of the, of, of the weight of the struggle off of my shoulders or vice versa. I've got to be careful moving around. I know I glitch up when I do. We're good? Okay. I think we're good. Things still glitching a little bit, but I think we're all right. So with that, uh, addiction camps. We set up addiction camps, and ultimately uh, we isolate ourselves from other groups or members who could potentially help us. I don't need to have someone uh, who has all the knowledge in the world about the 12 steps. I need someone that knows the Bible and knows how to get a hold of Jesus and knows how to call me out when I'm not walking in accordance with it. So with that, addiction camps. Uh, I would... I would strongly suggest that if you're trying to reach victory and you haven't, maybe it's because you, you, you set yourself up on an island with a, a bunch of other people who are just trying to get it right, too. Amen, somebody? Uh, the fourth reason, the God of our own understanding, uh, the fourth reason why AA and NA are not working from you is the God of your own understanding. Friends, this is the original crack in the 12-step foundation. Now, 
I'm going to do some episodes on all of these, but this this is the main main culprit here. Uh, originally, when AA come up with their steps, uh, step one says uh, we admitted we were powerless over our addictions. Our lives had become unmanageable. Step two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three was originally going to read, we made a decision to turn our lives and our will over to the care of God, period, end of sentence. But a renowned atheist named uh, Jim Burwell uh, pressured Bill W. and the AA group to, to making it say, uh, made a decision, step three, made a decision to turn our life and our will over to the care of God, as we understand him. Now, the problem with this, God of my own understanding, because he's like, hey, this guy's an atheist, and he's like, hey, we don't believe in God, but we want to be a part of this uh, this victory that you're promising here, too. And so Bill W. did what so many of us do. Uh, he, he compromised, and he bent the knee to uh, to please the masses. And since then, our, our addictions have been running around ever since. See, here's the thing. It's not up to God to uh, conform to your limited, often flawed understanding. It's up to you to conform to who he is and how he's revealed himself to be in his written word. And so when we worship a God of our own understanding, at the end of the day, this is not the God of the Bible, no matter how much you may claim or think that it is. Uh, It's kind of in the name, God of my own understanding. Friends, I don't know if you catch that or not, but that makes you this God, you this false idol, this false God, God of my own understanding or my own imagination, not uh, God of the own reality as he is in the Bible. And so with that, this God, now some of you are probably saying, oh, Pastor Chuck, you know, he's just being petty and he's, uh, you know, uh, being petty about words and, and this and that. No, no, friends, it's it's so much bigger than that. This is the original crack that led to all the other cracks. I'd love to sit here and, and break it down for you, but uh, we're right at the 30-minute marker, and I still got to get a couple more pieces here, uh, or seven more reasons why, not seven more reasons, but two are seven reasons why AA and NA aren't working for you. Listen, in step one of AA, we admit it, we're powerless over our uh, our uh, our addictions, you know. Basically, um, step one is saying my actions can't be trusted. We admitted we were powerless over our addictions. Our life had become unmanageable. Step one is saying my, I understand it, say my actions can't be trusted. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourself could restore us to sanity. So step two, I understand to be saying my thinking cannot be trusted under any circumstances whatsoever. Then we get to step three, made a decision. Now, wait a second. Didn't I just say I can't trust my thinking? Yes, you did. But then this is the, the, the great crack in the foundation. I just got done saying I can't trust my actions. I can't trust my thinking. And now my first move as a, uh, a sober individual, or the, my first action as a sober individual, is to trust in my insane thinking. Well, what, what am I trusting? Maybe it's not that big a deal. Oh, nothing. Just the most important thing that you've ever contemplated in your entire life, that being who God is and what he requires from you. You see the problem here. We made a decision uh, we, we that our life's unmanageable, that our thinking can't be trusted. Now, okay, let's trust our thinking about who God is and what he wants from me. Uh, this is the original crack in the old foundation, and this right here is why you are not experiencing the victory that you were promised in chapter 2, because you have a false God named you sitting on the throne of your heart. Now, I could go on about that, and we will in another episode, but I want to jump back in on this here. Uh, what do we got next? All oh, the disease theory. Yes, yes, yes. This, this is, this is a big reason. AA says, uh, that, um, you can be cured. You can be this, you can be that. 
uh, in chapter 2 of their big book, page 1, chapter 2 of the big book there. Uh, but yet the, they, they love this disease theory. Well, the problem with this disease theory of addiction, we talked about it last week a little bit, is it's just a theory. Now, for those of you listening who may not be familiar with the disease theory of addiction, the disease theory of addiction claims that having a, a, a alcoholism is a disease sometimes, not all the time, sometimes caused by a disease in the brain along with some genetics and biological issue. But the problem with this disease theory is it's just a theory. It's not a fact. No one has ever proved beyond a reasonable doubt that the, the disease theory is a fact. They can't find that uh, addiction gene. They've looked for it, genes and observableness. That's a whole can of worms that I'm not opening today. Uh, every couple of years, someone will come up and say, oh, we found it, we found it, we found it, only for a couple of years later for someone else to say they found it. I like in uh, his book, The, uh, the Sober Truth by Lance uh, Dodes here. I think I pronounced his name wrong the first week, but I got it right this time. Uh, he says, it makes you wonder how they keep losing it in the first place, you know, as, as many times as they found it. But at the bottom line, no one's ever walked into a bar in order to drink because a gene told them to do so. Uh, and that's a um, paraphrase of, of Dodes in his, in his book there. Uh, but this disease theory, despite the fact it's still just a theory, is preached and teached as a disease fact in our schools, our prisons, our programs, uh, our counseling meetings, our addiction literature. Uh, but at the end of the day, the evidence that would take this theory to fact is, is not there. It's lacking. But the alcoholic, we love that uh, because it gives us the most dangerous thing in the world, an excuse. Well, I can't help it. I have a disease. And so it helps fit this false narrative that we've uh, created in our mind in the addiction that everybody's the problem but us. And so now we, we've got this disease where it's not my fault. It, it's the big bad wolf of addiction, you know. And so with that, the disease series never been proven. Just a fact. Also, how are diseases diagnosed? You know, if I had a disease, like let's just say cancer, God forbid, uh, I'm going to go to a doctor. I'm going to get some blood drawn. You know, I'm going to I'm going to be symptomatic, just like the addict or alcoholic would be symptomatic to say, hey, I'm an addict alcoholic. But I'm going to go in and get tested. Uh, in AA or NA, when you, you you here's how you get diagnosed. You walk into a meeting, someone's like, you have a disease, and you're like, okay, I have a disease, and you walk out, and that's it. That's it. But if I have a cancer or diabetes or Parkinson's or heart disease, man, I'm going to go to the hospital. I'm going to get diagnosed. They're going to run CAT scans. They're going to run MRIs. They're going to do this or this or this or this. And so with that, man, how, how, can, how is addiction like that? Also, when it comes to the disease theory, um, we do um, all other diseases are, are done on their own, but ours must be done in groups, you know, and then that's, that's a whole other can of worms. But with that, I've never had someone with um, diabetes like uh, get too low on their sugar and then try to make a move on my wife. Or I've never had someone with, uh, you know, uh, cancer uh, try to rob me, you know, because they, they, they're, they're low on chemo or something like that, you know. See, there's a lot more differences between addiction and disease than there are similarities, and that's going to have to wait for another time. But uh, with that, disease theory, just a theory, not a fact. And the first step in any program, AA, NA, Celebrate Recovery, ASAP Recovery, our step one is absolute surrender, and the step one in all these other programs is admit. Admit that I have a problem and that I am that problem. Every pro I don't know about you, but every problem I've ever had, there's been one common denominator. I was there. I was present. Amen, somebody. And so with that, when you believe in this disease theory, you've just removed the whole admit portion of recovery. Well, it's not my fault. It's this disease fault, you know? And so with that, uh, it's never been proven, but everybody's going around telling you, yeah, you got a disease, you got a disease. Also, let me ask you another question. Who, who in their right mind, this is going to be mean, but it's funny, and it's true. Who in their right mind would take life advice from a junkie? Or more importantly, who would take medical advice from some junkie standing on the corner? Nobody would. 
And yet when we walk into a meeting and people are like, you got a disease, that's exactly what we're doing. We're taking life, and not only that, medical advice from our fellow junkies and addicts and alcoholics, man. Uh, man, uh, we, we owe it to ourselves and our health care providers owe us more than this. Doctors dismiss us. Oh, you got a disease, you know, this and that. If I had cancer, well, what are we going to do? You know, but if you got a disease, I'll go to some meetings. You know, you don't do that with heart disease. You don't do that with all this stuff. Anyways, I digress. That's going to get me all jacked up. And you guys don't want that or we'll be here for another another 30 minutes. The disease series. That would be uh, the fifth reason why AA and NA are probably not working for you. The next thing is something I called amplified thoughts and feelings. Amplified thoughts and feelings. What is that? Um, have you ever noticed that addicts and alcoholics seem to only have two speeds when they sober up, stop and full throttle, especially when it comes to our emotions. Have you ever noticed that like when our group is up, we're up, but when we're down, we're down, man. When we love, we love, but when we hate, we hate, you know, we want the death of our enemies uh, firstborn, you know, on a, on a platter right in front of us. Uh, it seems that uh, the middle gear has been broken off and like um, when we love somebody, man, it's like, oh man, uh, this is my soulmate, uh, my moon, my stars. But then, uh, you know, a week or two later when we find out they're not, you know, I wish that so-and-so was dead or just go back to jail or relapse or whatever. And so with that, why is that? Why does the addict and alcoholic, when it comes to experiencing our thoughts and feelings, only seem to be able to express full throttle or stop? If you noticed um, our feelings, our thoughts and feelings of the recently sober kind of resembles a roller coaster that's up and down and over here and over there and all over the place, you know. And so with that, I call this amplified thoughts and feelings. If you notice, uh, and, and we're running out of time here, but the, the reason, let me tell you about the reason for these, and I can also kind of explain what they are in the first place. Uh, when we were in our addiction, uh, whenever life got to be too much, we would drink or use in order to alleviate some of the stress in our life. Uh, past due bills, uh, having to build up some courage to ask the girl out, you know, or whatever, uh, we would drink or use in order to alleviate this stuff. However, not only did we uh, drink or use when uh, life got to be too much, but we also did it when life got to be too little. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, it was a good day. Let's let's get drunk. Uh, hey, it's a bad day, man. Let's get high. Hey, I'm bored. Let's look at some pornography, you know, or, or just go to the buffet or whatever. And so in doing so, uh, whenever life got to be too much or too little, we would use um, our, our drugs or alcohol like a suppressor to press down our, I'm gonna, get down there, get down there, yeah, press down our, our thoughts and feelings. But uh, now that we're sober, now that we're sober, we no longer have the suppressor. See, when we were drinking and drugging and doing all these other things, we, we were drinking down our feelings in order to feel better. But in reality, as it turns out, we were doing it to feel nothing at all. And so we drank and we used and we suppressed our thoughts and feelings in the process. But the problem with that is now that we're sober, we don't have any tolerance built up to processing our thoughts and feelings in a normal, healthy way. And therefore, because of that, um, everybody else has had a lifetime of processing their thoughts and feelings, but we we don't got no. Imagine if you were trying to jump on the on the bench press at the gym and bench press three fifty. It's not going to happen. You're going to hurt yourself and anybody standing next to you when that thing collapses. And that's what it is for those of us in recovery. It's like um, someone came into the room. Our feelings, our thoughts and feelings resemble an amplified uh, stereo. It's like someone came into the room, turned the stereo up to a hundred, broke the knob off, and then uh, locked the door on their way out with us tramped inside, uh, trapped inside. And that's what the addicts and alcoholics' feelings look like. They're amplified, man. When we love, we love, and when we're up, we're up, but when we're down, we're down, and it's the end of the world kind of sadness, and the only thing that's going to fix it is, screw it, I might as well have that drink. And so we get these amplified thoughts and feelings because we have no tolerance built up to processing 
our thoughts and feelings in a normal, healthy manner. And so that's what these amplified thoughts and feelings are. And uh, AA, all that's required is a desire to stop drinking, not a, not, uh, um, a requirement to dig beneath the surface and start finding a normal or a baseline for these overactive thoughts, feelings, emotions, and uh, whatnot. So we'll talk more about that in the weeks that come and the episodes that come. Uh, the next thing is we've covered that. We've covered that. We are on to the big book of AA, the big book of AA. This this is the guy right here. Uh, we've kind of talked a little bit about that already. Um, but even in the big book, they say um, we don't offer this it's the last word. Uh, what we know about truth is, you know, subjective to, to God. God will reveal more to you, um, you know, and uh, and the days and weeks and months that follow. But N.A. here, uh, they just, they say, uh, what, everything we know is subject to change, especially what we know about the truth. I wish I had the quote there on the screen for you for those watching. But uh, this big book, this big book, if you go to the meetings, um, the 12 steps are treated of the highest authority as if Bill W. come down from Mount Sinai with the two and a half tablets uh, written by God himself containing the 12 steps, um, you know. But with that, they're just steps. They, they can't save you. It's, it's only a person can save you. Only a Savior can save you, and that's where Jesus comes in. Uh, the big book, I hate to say this, I hear people say it all the time, the Bible's full of contradictions. Uh, but, you know, when you ask them for someone, can you give me a couple? Um, you know, they can't, you know, and uh, or if they do, it's it's something minor or just something they've heard someone else said, nothing that they've ever reviewed for themselves. But listen, if what I believe isn't the truth, then I want to know. If AA has the final word uh, that, that corresponds to reality, then I want to know. And so I've read, I've read that book. I read N.A.'s book, you know, I've got these uh, notes here. It looks a little funny because of the green screen there. For You're missing my green tabs. Uh, but with that, um, I want to know. I want to know what the truth is. And uh, the and there's all kinds of contradictions in the big book and the A.A. and N.A., uh, some of those being that um, in the big book they say that we're under one God, um, but then in the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, you hear that any old God will do. The group can be your God. And so is your God singular or plural? Uh, but at the end of the day, this big book is just a substitution uh, for the real thing. The Bible says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And that uh, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, you know. And so uh, it says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, not Bill W. And so uh, these books are just just books. They they started out good, and they were really good for the time and season they served in, but we no longer live in 1939 America any longer. So with that, just to re, re, to summarize and then close out this episode, I believe there are seven reasons why maybe you find that uh, AA and NA just aren't doing it for you, and I believe these are it. And uh, in my program, on this first book of mine, uh, the book ASAP Recovery, Tearing Out the Old foundation, we focus on these seven pieces of the old foundation. We start removing them piece by piece. First, we start with removing the forever recovering mentality that you're going to be in recovery for the rest of your life when the Bible says different. Then we move on to our uh, three types of people, those that want help, those that think they want help, and those uh, being made to get help. And how to identify who's who, uh, who you are, or who you're trying to minister to. Uh, we move on to addiction camps and how they do more harm than good. We look at this God of our own understanding or making uh, how to find a normal or baseline for these amplified thoughts and feelings. Uh, we, we look at this disease theory. We put it through the scientific method. 
and uh, and and find that it's it's just just a theory, not not a fact, but it's being preached and teached. And then we look at the big book and how it's a, a substitution. Uh, repeatedly, uh, they'll tell you in these programs, we're not a religion, but in my book, uh, I, I shoot it down and, and establish that it is a religion, and not only a religion, but a false one. Uh, but you're going to have to buy the book for that. Amen, somebody. So, hey, uh, these are seven reasons. Maybe you've been trying to get that victory, but it just hasn't get you. Uh, you know, uh, a friend of mine, Pastor Larry Dillon, you always, he always got these little sayings, these catchphrases, and he says, if nothing changes, then nothing changes. If you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And so maybe you've tried the AA way and the NA way, and maybe you found that it just hasn't worked for you. Um, and so maybe it's time for some fresh tactics. Maybe it's time to try something else. Here at ASAP Recovery, we believe you can be recovered versus forever recovering, but make no mistakes. If you're looking just to remove some of the pressure uh, versus all of it and come to Jesus on his terms instead of your own, we are not the program for you. Here at ASAP Recovery, we are for those seeking cure over maintenance. Um, those seeking cure over maintenance. If you want maintenance, there's a lot of other guys right down the street. They've been doing it this way for 80 years, and they're going to continue to do it uh, until the wheels fall off. And I believe we're at that point in time. So why not get in this lifeboat uh, and give us a shot? You know, try something new. If nothing changes, nothing changes. Hey, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. But before we go, I uh, just want to remind you about our podcast availability, ASAP Recovery Podcast, the podcast for people in recovery. That's you. That's me. Uh, we are available and now playing on Google and Apple Podcast, uh, Anchor FM, Spotify, and Amazon Music. If you get a chance, uh, be sure to check out our ASAP Recovery website at asaprecovery.com. A lot of good stuff on there, recovery sermons, new stuff being added, uh, weekly chat room. Uh, you got to get some people in there on that. We're trying to build that up and just a lot of different stuff, prayer requests, uh, literature, you name it. We sure would love for you to come and check out all that. And uh, just thanks for joining us today. And listen, if uh, you remember anything I've said today, you can be recovered and just keep tuning in here and we'll, we'll, we'll get you there. Have a good day.